Hello and welcome to the Interactive Investor Podcast, where we discuss matters of investment interest. I'm Richard Hunter, Head of Markets, and in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Neil Herman, Manager of the Henderson Smaller Companies Investment Trust since 2002. Neil is Director of UK Equities and a Portfolio Manager at Janus Henderson Investors. Prior to this, he served as Head of UK Smaller Companies for General Accident Investment Management and began his career at Ernst & Young as a Chartered Accountant. Neil received an MA in Mathematics from Cambridge University. He is an Associate Member of the Society of Investment Professionals and has 31 years of financial industry experience. So firstly, a very warm welcome to you, Neil, and thank you for sparing us some of your time. No, so much, Richard. Afternoon to you. Thanks very much. So um, in terms of the um, Smaller Companies Investment Trust, could we perhaps start by you letting us know what the kind of objectives and style of the trust are? Yeah, of course. So the objectives of the trust are quite simple. They're to maximise investor returns by investing in a portfolio of listed UK small and mid-cap sized companies. Style-wise, we are growth orientated. We do believe investment equity is about growth. It's about the future. However, uh, we do think valuation is important as well. So we are going to go up growth at the right price, growth at a reasonable price. We are very much bottom-up stock pickers. So essentially for us, it's more about the micro fundamentals and the macro fundamentals. So focusing the qualities and the, um, the exceptional um, nature of the, the companies we invest in. We look best for quality businesses, companies that have got strong uh, quality credentials. We are quite long-term in nature as well, average holding period of four to five years, uh, and very much focusing on the, the cause of the companies we invest in. I mean, in terms of smaller companies generally, that they tend to be typified by companies perhaps in, in a faster period of growth, uh, and many of those choose to reinvest uh, their own dividend to, to carry on that growth rather than pay it out to shareholders. So is uh, yield within your trust something that you will take if it's there, or is it actually a factor? We think dividends are an important part or component of total return. Ultimately, we want to maximise total returns, and therefore most of the return we've generated in the last 17 or so years has been capital growth. But dividends are important. We like investing in profitable, cash-generative, dividend-paying companies, um, and therefore we, we think dividends are important in that context. Although, given we are GARP, we tend to invest in sort of exactly so those more growing businesses, and therefore they generally, as you said, retain more capital to invest in the business to grow going forward. So our yield will be lower than the average market rate, but growing quicker. It's a bit pointless asking you about your country allocation for the <laughs> UK smaller companies. So, so what does the sector allocation look like at the trust? So actually, we don't really care about sectors. We care about stocks. We care about the kind of the fundamentals of stocks on an isolated basis. Um, it's virtually individual stocks that um, contribute. So fundamentally, it's about stocks rather than sectors. However, given we are you know, GARP and growth oriented, what you'll find is a natural bias towards those growth type sectors in our portfolio. So you think of our biggest positions would include things like electronics, software, media, pharmaceuticals, so areas typically have higher growth characteristics, and we typically more underweight in those areas which are slower growth, like food producers and mining and retail and leisure. So yeah, very much focused towards growth areas of the market. Sure. And, and uh, how many stocks would be within the trust uh, on average? Around 100 stocks. Um, so a reasonably long list, um, reasonably high conviction towards the um, top of the portfolio. So around 25% of the portfolio in the top 10, 40% in the top 20. There's always stocks that we're obviously, given the fact it's quite a reasonable size trust, there's over 600 million uh, net assets. We've got a reasonable amount of money in the space and therefore we have that liquidity consideration as well. And therefore what you'll find is we are, I think there's always stocks moving in and out of the portfolio in that context. 
as I said before, it's a very long-term approach. The average holding period is five to six years, and therefore it's not high turnover. It's very much investing in the long, medium to longer term. In terms of your top holdings, for example, could you maybe give us a flavour of one or two of, of your more favoured stocks at the moment, or presumably they have been favoured stocks at some time from what you just said? Yeah, exactly. I mean, our top 10, you know, it does change, but it's quite consistent. We obviously, we're trying to find those kind of buy and hold forever stocks, companies that essentially yep. have got great long-term growth and credentials to deliver great returns to shareholders. It's a quite a diverse list and some obviously being mid and small cap, it's, it's not the usual conventional names a lot of the investors would have heard of. So top 10 includes, for example, Bellway, UK House Builder, Intermediate Capital, which is a um, provide all kind of, sort of fund margin alternative credit. Uh, Clinogen, a pharmaceutical services business. Team 17, which is a video games company. So that's the gives of the kind of diversity in the sort of portfolio we have. And to pick out a couple of names in particular, I suppose, Team 17 is quite interesting. We've had that for actually, it's an IPO about three years ago. Done phenomenally well. It's a, a kind of a developer of uh, video games, clearly doing very well currently with the kind of the lockdown work from home and everyone yeah. playing probably playing video games rather than working. But over the three years since we've come to the market, it's delivered phenomenal growth, overachieved expectations on a number of occasions. It's got a really interesting concept model of actually developing content and talent from across the world and bringing it into their own and developing it from there. It's been a really real strong winner for us, really. And a very kind of unconventional uh, management team. Debbie, the um, CEO, has been there really for since formation. You don't get many CEOs with purple hair, but um, she's one. Um, hugely dedicated to the business, founding, uh, founding CEO, um, big significant shareholder, knows industry exceptionally well, you know, really excellent CEO. One of the things we do look for in companies we invest in, you know, one of the things is management, strong management teams, and Debbie and her team definitely kind of fill that, um, fill that criteria. Another one would be GB Group. It's an IT company. It's just outside our top 10. It's, again, doing very well currently or very well positioned currently given its um, identity protection and fraud prevention company. And given how the COVID-19 situation has really pushed trends towards the internet, internet shopping very dramatically recently, it's doing very well from that. And essentially, you can just see that growing and growing going forward. Again, you know, well-invested business in a very good growth area, run by a very strong team, delivered for a very good growth for the last few years. It's not cheap, but it fits the GARP criteria. Uh, we've got good, very, very lo um, good long-term prospects for the company overall. So given a couple of the uh, companies, as, as you just uh, described, which um, one would imagine will be having a fairly good time at the moment, how is the, the trust overall coping uh, in the current downturn that we're seeing? Yeah, I mean, it's been, a, I mean, obviously a very challenging time over the last um, few months, considering what's been happening to the, around the world. And I think in terms of our performance numbers, they're not too bad. I mean, I think if the... We just came to our financial year end, which is ends in May. Um, NEV, we fell for about 8% over that period of time, that, that year down compared to the market, which is down about 15%. So over the, over the course of the last year, it's been pretty reasonable. And similarly, over the, the course of the year to date, we're down around 20% and the benchmark's down about 25%. So, you know, it's been a tough period. We've performed um, quite respectably in, in that area. It's, you know, with a diversified portfolio and a kind of a good spread of investments, We've got certain things doing doing better than our things at the moment. But on the whole, we've had a reasonable time, but clearly the market's been very difficult. Sure. And with that in mind, have you found uh, the need or maybe some opportunities uh, in making any adjustments to your portfolio? Yeah, we're always looking to do things in the portfolio to kind of, as I said before, we are quite low turnover, high conviction, long-standing positions. But there are some interesting opportunities being thrown up for this current crisis. So I talked about things like GB and Team 17, which is actually doing well, very well, and actually benefiting from the current situation that isn't the norm clearly a lot of things are struggling 
we're actually finding some interesting opportunities and some of those more bombed out names that have really had a very tough time. For example, a couple of names, um, first would be Jim Group. Jim clearly obviously has had his operations closed for the last four months um, because of COVID-19, but actually he's going to reopen its gyms on the 25th of July, which I'm sure everyone will be very, very keen to go back there and press some weight. But actually, over the course of the period, they benefited from government furlough schemes, you know, paying, paying salary of staff over that period of time. Costs have, have been essentially controlled during the period of lockdown. And they've raised some new money. Um, so they've strengthened the balance sheet and, you know, look, you know, good financial shape currently. And coming out of the crisis, although they've lost some members during the kind of lockdown uh, process, um, they still retain a very healthy membership level. You all put a few, few pounds during COVID. We'll be keen, quite keen to get down to the gym and uh, get rid of it again. And I think it'll be in a very strong position compared to its um, kind of weaker private competitions. You know, clearly some of those private operators which haven't had the access to um, you know, the equity market funding yeah. will see, will struggle. Uh, so there'll be opportunity for them to pick up some cheap assets um, and to have CC kind of weaker competition going forward. So, you know, it's been a tough period for them. The share price is down 50% year to date. Very difficult. But I think coming out of this crisis, they'll be in a strong position compared to its peer group and competition. So... Um, we think that's got a good long-term winner. Another name which, again, has struggled this year, Mitchells & Butler, which is a pub operator. Again, just like Gym Group, its operators have been closed now. Uh, it's open to go, pubs open again on July the 4th. Its share price is down nearly 65% year-to-date. So, you know, clearly, you know, a, a long fall. But it's, it's, a, it's a good business. It's got a very strong freehold base. It's quoted an asset value as at least twice the current share price that stands today. Its valuation looks attractive if we return to some degree of normality. Um, and I think that small ticket item, like you know, pubs and the ability to go out and um, uh, you know have a good have a good evening, and I think that will return. I think over the, the course of the next two to three years, we could see this normalise and valuation look very very cheap indeed. So, although we're sticking to them as very those core names we mentioned earlier, our kind of top ten as long-term winners. There are some opportunities coming up from the COVID-19 um, market falls. Also quite unusual to hear uh, a pub in a gym group in the same sentence, obviously. <laughs> but not mutually exclusive, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, we're more nervous, of course, about the kind of big ticket items because ultimately I think there is going to be some economic impact of what's happened. Unemployment will potentially see, uh, see a rise. But small ticket items, you know, things like gym and the pub, I still think remain part of the overall psyche of the UK consumer and therefore as we return to normality I think ultimately we will return to normality at some point the earnings potential of companies um, you know looks attractive compared to the valuations over the medium to longer term there's some attractive upside in some of these more bombed out names sure and, and I know you very much take a, a bottom-up approach but it's a question uh, I'm sure we're all asked on a fairly regular basis about how the remaining few months of, of this year and even 2021 might pan out and obviously a lot of that will potentially be around a, a sort of Covid cure but how do you see things panning out given where we've been over these tumultuous few months? Yeah it's been a challenging challenging interesting year isn't it? You know, markets fell very, very sharply um, and then have recovered. The UK market has lagged somewhat international markets. When I mean, you look at the NASDAQ, it's actually up year to date now, which is yep. you know, quite impressive. So the UK market has lagged somewhat. The short term is fairly opaque and challenging. Um, you know, over the summer months, I think the, the news flow will remain difficult. Earnings, you know, corporate earnings are under a lot of pressure. We're seeing dividends essentially being passed and um, you know kind of eliminated as we go through go through the process. So it's quite hard to kind of have a valuation basis to kind of think about. And ultimately, I think as you know, the progression of the market into the second half of the year into 2021 depends, you said, essentially on how the virus moves on. 
could we get a, a kind of a, a cure, taking a medium to longer term perspective, there's some fantastic value opportunities being thrown up for this, um, for this crisis. You know, I mentioned two earlier, for example, but there's a lot, you know, a lot of companies that have share prices have been hit severely. And any degree of change, a kind of return to normality, there's the potential upside in those situations. So, you know, we're being relatively cautious. Um, we're very much sticking to our knitting, focusing on the fundamentals of the companies we're investing in, you know, driven by the micro rather than the macro fundamentals, um, and you know, trying to find those opportunities where, on a kind of two to three year perspective, we see significant upside in the share prices. Trying to call the market on a three month view is, is rather challenging. Yes, if not impossible. Um, well, <laughs> unfortunately, now we're we're out of time. So thank you very much indeed once again for your time. That's that's Neil Herman of the Henderson Smaller Companies Investment Trust, and thank you for listening. Do join us next time for another interactive investor podcast. Thank you.